Hi there, I'm your host, Eddie, and you're listening to The Motion, a podcast about examining entertainment law and copyright from an audience's perspective. In this podcast, we'll be covering copyright infringement, music history, intellectual property cases, as well as current legal news and issues in the entertainment industry. I find it's interesting to break down and get into the details of cases and question our current copyright system because it seems like it's not really working for musicians and artists anyway. I started this podcast because I've always been so intrigued by entertainment law. In the music and entertainment industry, the outcomes of trials and settlements can affect the laws and standards that are already in place. And that could change the future of music and film for audiences and artists alike. On this show, we'll be covering historical copyright cases, following current cases and their outcomes to show you how the copyright system is broken. We'll also get into definitions of legal terms, delving into details of record deals, and examining streaming services like Spotify. I want this podcast to be a place to learn about these cases and subjects from an audience and creator's point of view. I want to take a deep dive into entertainment law. As much as I can, I'm not an attorney, but I'll do my best and uncover the details of these cases and laws in this industry and how they affect us. Let's go behind the scenes a bit and see if we can make sense of it all. Let me tell you a story about copyright. Hey guys, just wanted to say thank you for joining us on our first season of The Motion. We've really enjoyed bringing these stories about copyright and entertainment law to you. Get in touch with us and let us know what you'd like to hear covered in season two. Also, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, you can really help us out by leaving a five-star rating and review. Subscribe to the show if you haven't already. That way you can stay up to date with the bonus episodes we'll be releasing in between seasons, and you can get notified when season two drops. If you know someone who might be interested in the show, share our podcast with them and tell your friends. To everyone who has listened and reviewed the show this season, thank you so much. Y'all are amazing, and I can't wait to bring you more episodes. Now, let's get into the show. Enjoy our final episode of Season 1 of The Motion. Since starting this show, I've often talked about wanting to cover how much money songwriters and musicians make from streaming platforms. As streaming gets more popular, I've seen a lot of artists calling out Spotify for not paying them livable royalties or tweeting about how much of a joke their royalty checks are. Before streaming, artists and musicians traditionally made money from radio airplay and, of course, selling music, MP3s, CDs, vinyl, merch, and touring. In the past few years, the rise of streaming is said to have revived a music industry that was on the decline, and especially now during COVID-19, musicians can't tour, streaming music is everything. Ever since digital downloads and streaming have become more prevalent, things have changed in the music industry a bit. Radio Play definitely still exists, but it's nowhere near as popular as music streaming platforms. Personally, streaming makes it so much easier to listen and find independent artists that aren't currently in the mainstream charts. You can discover new bands, keep up with releases, and make as many playlists as you want. And you can do this all for free or pay for a subscription if you don't want to hear those annoying ads. So, all this is great for the listeners, but what about the artists? For as well as streaming services are said to been doing lately with increases over 12% of revenue by the years, I have to ask, is this benefiting the artist as much as the service? 
Does streaming pay artists well? Are streaming royalties enough for artists to live on or consistently make money from? After researching this topic, I'd say no, absolutely not. Each individual stream that you're listening to from some of your favorite artists' albums or singles is only earning them fractions of a penny per stream. Even after thousands, then hundreds of thousands, and millions of streams, these royalties still don't add up to very much. Even our girl, Taylor Swift, who we talked about in episode 7, is well known for being vocal about removing her entire catalog from Spotify back in 2014. She has criticized the so-called freemium model used by Spotify and Apple Music. She said it encourages its users not to pay for music. She also explained that music is art, and art is important and rare. Important, rare things are valuable, and valuable things should be paid for. Swift did re-add her music a few years later in 2017, but as we know, a condition in her new record deal stipulates that any sale of her label's shares in Spotify will result in a distribution of money to all their artists, which is non-recoupable. That means artists will receive money from the shares sold, even if they still owe the label money from unrecovered advances. Also, streaming royalties and platforms are making royalty payouts and licensing more complex than they really should be. I mean, the copyright laws that are in place today were never written with streaming services in mind. So at best, we are working with a very antiquated system. An article I read on the American Bar Association's website sums it up perfectly, saying, Current U.S. copyright law was not written to address the myriad licensing issues involved with on-demand digital music services. Much of the tension and difficulty exists within these services due to the complex licensing system for compositions and sound recordings in the digital realm, and the disparate treatment these works receive under the law. As with most discussions involving music copyright law, here it is likewise crucial to remember that two distinct copyrights exist in every recorded piece of music, one for the actual sound recording and another for the underlying composition. The methods by which digital streaming services obtain the rights to perform and make copies of the sound recordings and compositions require different negotiations and licensing processes. Unless you're already a wildly popular artist, you probably won't be seeing much return from your streams on Spotify. And if you are, it's still not very much. For example, we've all heard Mariah Carey's ubiquitous Christmas single, All I Want for Christmas is You. Well, in 2018, Carey's hit was said to have broken a single-day streaming record for Spotify, clocking in at 11 million streams on Christmas Eve. That's an incredible amount of plays. Well, for those streams, it's reported to have only earned Carrie and her co-writer $92,000. $92,000 is not a small amount by any means, but if you divide it by two, it's $46,000 each, compared to how much she would have earned for 11 million physical CD sales of the song, I estimate at about nine cents a song, that would be roughly $990,000 split two ways. For each writer, about... $496,000 makes more sense. Right now, you can search and scroll through many YouTube videos of artists and creators explaining how much they made for 500,000 streams or 1 million streams of their music on Spotify, and it isn't much. As an example, let's say you're an independent artist who composes electronic music. 
Over about a year, you've acquired exactly 1 million streams of your music on Spotify. Based on a low estimate of what Spotify is said to pay per stream, let's use 0.004 cents per stream for this example. For 1 million streams, you've been paid 0.004 cents per stream, and you've earned about $4,000 in one year. If you have a publisher, someone who distributes your music, most likely they'll get a percentage of your streaming royalties as well. Let's say they'll receive 10%. That's $400 you've paid your publisher, so after that you've earned $3,600. Another part of this formula is mechanical rights. If you compose the music completely by yourself, you will also receive a portion of those royalties as well. For the sake of the example, mechanical royalties will earn you another $300 in addition to the royalties you've already earned. Your total payout over a year for 1 million streams is about $3,900. That sounds pretty great, right? Except that's only about $10.68 per day. Not a lot to live off of or pay the bills with. And for all the time and energy an artist puts into creating, writing, recording, and mixing that music, it seems a little on the low end, doesn't it? Again, this example is based on an independent artist with a musician that's been signed to a label, most likely the label will take a cut of the royalties too, but then there are also benefits to being signed to a label, like record deal advances, which can definitely provide a livable wage, and you have the support of promotion, touring, and representation. As we've talked about in our previous episodes, a song's revenue payout can be broken down into two main parts. There is a master recording, the original audio recording of the song, which earns master recording revenues like music sales and digital performance royalties from streaming. Then there's the musical composition of the song made up of lyrics and notes. Songwriters, composers, and publishers earn money from this portion through performance royalties, or mechanical royalties, which are physical sales of a work, as well as through streaming services. Artists can negotiate the terms of mechanical licenses with their record label if they have one. Although, the rate for mechanical royalties is set by a group called the Copyright Royalty Board. The Copyright Royalty Board is a U.S. system of three copyright royalty judges, and according to their website, the board was established in 2004 to oversee copyright law and adjust royalty rates and terms applicable to the statutory copyright licenses. They also oversee distribution of royalties and address controversies related to distributions. These judges are appointed by the Librarian of Congress to serve staggered six-year terms and can be reappointed. So the judges have agreed on these rates for now. The current statutory mechanical royalty rate for physical recordings and permanent digital downloads is 9.1 cents for recordings of a song five minutes or less, and 1.75 cents per minute for songs over five minutes. The interactive or digital streaming rate varies. Currently, streaming platforms have a mechanical rate that varies in the range of 4% to 6.75% of revenue. There's no set-in-stone pay-per-stream rate, so if a royalty is generated via stream on Spotify, the rate will differ based on whether it came from a premium or ad-based subscription. Or on Apple Music, the streaming rate will depend on which plan the user streams it from, like a family plan, individual plan, or even a student plan. YouTube's free version is apparently one of the lowest-paying platforms at 0.00069 cents per views or streams, 
versus YouTube Red, which is without ads, Red pays a little bit more at 0.008 cents. There are a few other factors that can affect how much money one stream is worth in royalties, such as the listener's country and location, and also pricing and currency in different regions. Unless you're an independent artist, record companies are really the ones who can determine how much an artist receives from streaming. They determine the profit margin that the musicians will directly receive. If you think about it, there are independent solo artists out there who write and record their own music and would get the majority of their streaming royalties. But what about four-piece bands or more who have decided to split their royalties evenly? After splitting all that revenue, you end up with less money. Artists signed to record labels also have to split the earnings between the label, producers, and songwriters, which means splitting fractions of pennies between many parties. It doesn't amount to much at all. So what you're probably wondering is how much these streaming services pay per stream. As we know, these rates can and do fluctuate. Recently, Digital Music News and Ditto Music put out some great articles which detailed what each of the most popular streaming services pay. The rate that is paid for each stream by company is estimated to be as follows. Napster, 0.019 cents per stream. Tidal, 0.02 cents per stream. Apple Music, 0.0078 cents per stream. Google Play Music, 0.0067 cents per stream. Deezer, 0.0064 cents per stream. Spotify, 0.0043 cents per stream. Amazon, 0.0040 cents per stream. Pandora, 0.0013 cents per stream. YouTube, 0.0069 cents per view or stream. Also, I saw another really informative article by Visual Capitalist. It broke down streaming royalties in another way. In the article, they feature an infographic that explains how many streams it takes for an artist to earn a dollar via each platform. When you look at it through that perspective, it's kind of disheartening. Napster comes in on top at 53 streams to reach a dollar. In the middle, we have Deezer at 156 streams. Spotify and Apple are around the same number at 229 and 249, respectively. And again, the lowest paying platform seems to be YouTube at 1,449 streams or views to earn $1. I cannot stress enough that these royalty payouts do not equate a livable wage. And what if artists don't want to participate in the streaming model? Maybe some just want to self-release physical copies. I mean, at this point, you almost have to give in to streaming. Yes, people are still pressing vinyl and tapes, but to grow your fan base and promote your music, it's critical to put yourself out there and be represented on social media as well as all the streaming platforms. It's kind of strange because if you think about it, all artists on streaming platforms are kind of lumped in together. The mainstream, the middle, the independent, and self-produced are all on there and are held somewhat to the same level and expectations. But clearly they're not the same. Artists with major record deals are given advances in marketing, promotion, booking, while local artists have to do all that work by themselves. So shouldn't artists maybe be compensated differently? A few years back, certain streaming companies said that they weren't making a profit and were even losing money. 
But over the past few years, and especially in 2020, streaming companies are definitely making a profit. And we're talking in the billions. As a side note, most business ventures don't make a profit right at the beginning anyway. It usually takes a few years to get started. But right now, music streaming platforms are said to represent 80% of the music industry's total revenues. That's a ton when you think about touring, merch, and physical sales. 80% is way more than a majority. More and more people are streaming music through Apple Music and Spotify now. And that's great for companies and record labels, but for the large groups of artists participating, I'm not sure if that benefits them equally. In 2018, the Recording Industry Association of America boasted that for the third year in a row, double-digit growth was driven primarily by increased revenues from paid subscription services including Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal, and Amazon. Streaming revenues in the U.S. are steadily rising and subscribers are increasing. Apparently, the record industry saw an 18% increase in revenue, hitting $5.4 billion in the first six months of 2019. Physical music sales have also increased a little bit, but not at the rate streaming is growing. And after all this growth, can't the Copyright Royalty Board or these streaming platforms do better for their artists? A few weeks ago, Spotify purchased Joe Rogan's podcast, The Joe Rogan Experience, for $100 million. After they announced the purchase of Joe Rogan's podcast, their stock price went up to $161 a share, growing the company by $13 billion. Currently, their stock is priced at $243 a share. It was also recently announced that Kim Kardashian West is set to have an exclusive criminal justice podcast debut on Spotify soon. And I also read that Spotify may be introducing a music video feature as well. I'm pretty sure the popularity and value of Spotify is only going to increase in the near future. So, will their growing financials ever result in a higher pay-per-stream rate? The wide accessibility of streaming platforms and the high number of subscribers can be great exposure for artists to gain new listeners that would ideally become fans and buy physical copies of music, paying for permanent downloads, buying merch, and going to see these artists when they tour. This is the goal, and it does happen sometimes, but unfortunately, I don't think this is representative for all creators and artists. Exposure alone cannot be depended on by artists to make money and further their careers. Back in radio days, DJs and radio stations were the key to getting new music played and helping a lot of artists break out. Now, there are new industry gatekeepers for streaming services in the form of influencers, playlist makers, and curators who have a lot of weight to what music is featured or played on these platforms. There are two types of playlists on Spotify. Spotify curated playlists, these are recommended by Spotify through its algorithm. Brands can also sponsor some of Spotify's flagship lists. Then there are user-generated playlists, these are created by users or subscribers. Influencers or very popular playlists can determine who gets listened to, but also make it harder for artists who aren't featured on those playlists. Even featured artist playlists are only generated for musicians with over a certain number of listeners. There are plenty of amazing artists out there who we simply haven't heard of yet or stumbled onto because curated playlists and algorithms are only featuring artists who are already getting a lot of listens. I know that radio wasn't perfect either. History has shown us there's always been issues with bribes and payola and radio and promotion companies pushing the latest records. 
It's obvious that artists with more money or promotion behind them are usually the ones who get played on air. It's always been tougher for indie artists to break out and get discovered, but I would hope that streaming models wouldn't perpetuate this and encourage a more even playing field. That being said, I do discover new artists on Spotify, and I think it can definitely expose people to new music and genres, but I still feel like they are only featuring music that's already generating streams. Is there another way? I mean, it seems like streaming is only growing and we aren't going backwards. Models like Patreon have been successful for drawing in revenue from listeners via a monthly subscription to exclusive content, but Patreon seems to only be successful for an artist or creator with a sizable fan base already. A type of subscription service model could be good for individual artists or record labels of various sizes. It seems like Bandcamp may be the closest possible option for artists getting a fairer payout. Bandcamp is a platform where artists can directly upload their music and they allow artists to set their own price for their music. On Bandcamp, you can stream and buy music, and it's free for an artist to set up their account. Bandcamp earns their revenue by taking a 15% cut of digital sales and 10% of merch sales. There is also a Bandcamp Pro option, which is a premium tier for artists, and Bandcamp for labels, which you can access for a monthly fee. Fans can follow their favorite artists and discover new music, and follow the labels they love to keep updated with their new releases. Unfortunately, Bandcamp isn't making as much money and doesn't have as many users as Spotify or Apple Music yet. Something that sets Bandcamp apart for me, though, is that they seem to be very philanthropic and genuinely care about their artists and listeners. During recent events, they have decided to use their platform in a way to help artists and organizations. Due to the onset of COVID-19, they decided to waive all of their fees for artists and have 100% of sales go directly to artists. They started this in March and have continued waiving all fees on the first Friday of each month. The support of this initiative was tremendous, and the website generated over $4 million of sales during that first day in March. So you know the next one will take place on July 3rd. Also on June 19th, they donated 100% of their revenue to the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. I'm hoping Bandcamp can expand into a much larger platform and presence in streaming while maintaining their values, or a solution to the royalty problem can kind of piggyback off of or take ideas from what Bandcamp is doing and grow from there. With streaming services like Spotify and their 248 million monthly active users and 113 million subscribers, I would think that they have the money to pay and the power to make changes in this industry that benefits artists more. Our lives would all be lacking if we didn't have access to music, entertainment, and art. Music is such a special thing that connects all of us, and I think artists deserve better than what they're being paid right now through streaming. The way streaming platforms work and how much they currently pay is not enough, especially during these times. Artists and creators need a livable wage now more than ever. It's easy for us to forget how unfair this system is as we passively listen to music on our apps and see mainstream artists as successful. We must remember what's working for them probably isn't working for smaller or lesser-known artists. The royalty system, mechanical and performance copyrights may not be workable long-term solution for artists. We need to find or invent a new way for this to work and artists to get paid fairly. Artists must be compensated for the work that goes into the music that entertains us. We owe that to them as their listeners. 
I'm hoping that the copyright board, record labels, and streaming platforms realize that the support needs to go further. Until things change for the better, do your best to support the artists you listen to and love, buy their music and merch directly from them, support local record stores and independent record labels, The Motion is written, produced, and recorded by me, Eddie. Music by Machinima Sound. Follow us on Twitter at The Motion Pod and on Instagram at Listen to The Motion. Thank y'all so much for tuning into this season of The Motion. We've had a great time making these episodes for you and diving deeper into copyright cases and laws. If you're interested in some of the topics and infographics I talked about on today's episode, please check them out in our episode notes below or on our posts and social media. Share this show with your friends who love music, history, and law. And you can help us out by leaving a rating and review if you listen to the show on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get on the charts and other people discover the show. Next season on The Motion, we'll be covering the infamous Marvin Gaye versus Robin Thicke and Pharrell case, Rolling Stones versus The Verve, Lizzo, current entertainment news, film intellectual property, and lots more. In the meantime, subscribe to us to keep up with our upcoming bonus episodes in between seasons, and tell us what you think should be covered in season two. Send us an email at themotionpod at gmail.com. In the meantime, again, stay tuned for bonus and many episodes in between our seasons. Your comments, reviews, and ongoing support has been incredible. I'm really excited to bring you Season 2 in the fall of this year. Thanks so much for listening to The Motion. Stay safe, and we'll see you soon.